Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plans, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. All right, excited to be back. I was gone last week, and Melvin preached. If you weren't here, you can go online and listen to it. It was excellent, although I was very disappointed you had no props. I'm like, what's the deal, Melvin? Come on, stay with the props. Um, thank you, and, and I always love your teaching. So, um, ex- everybody excited for Thanksgiving? You ready? Everybody ready? No, no, having done a shopping, nothing yet? Yeah, either have I. Okay, that's good. Either have I. Hey, we're in this series, and we're actually wrapping up. We've got this week and next week. It's hard to believe. It's only been, what, 16 weeks. It's been a while, but it has been a pleasure going through this book of James, and I hope you've enjoyed it. If you've missed any of the, any of the different uh, weeks, you can go back online, and you can watch them or or listen to them if you'd like, but it's, it's been a, a, a just a, anytime you get in these books and you break them down and, and uh, uh, love the kids, don't we love the kids there, love that, that, that crying child of Jeremiah's, <laughs> I gotta give him a bad time, not Ryan of course, but Jeremiah's, when they're crying like that, they're Jeremiah's, when they're beautiful in your arms, they're Ryan's, correct, isn't that how it works? Uh, but we're in this book. Let's, let's look at our scripture this week. It is uh, James 5, 13 through 18. And it says this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. Lord, I thank you for this time this morning. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, you'd speak to us. But Lord, um, that it wouldn't just sit there, that actually as we leave this building that we would be the church. Lord, that your word would, would change us, that your word would move us in such a way that uh, we would bring you glory. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak through me this morning, that you'd move me aside, and that you would speak. I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. So James gives very clear instructions here. He, he, it's very practical. Look, he, here's what I know about this word that it's, it's not ethereal. It's not just something out there that you just kind of grasp, that you just kind of, you know, hey, that's a good saying. That It's very practical for day-in, day-out needs. The way that God wrote this, the way that he wrote through men and women on the scriptures has to do with practical life. 
Otherwise, it would be a mess. If, if it wasn't the simplicity of the gospel and, and, and the scriptures that we see, able to apply them to, in, uh, to aspects of my life, then this word would not be good. See, God knew that it, people like me would walk this earth. A couple of laughs, you know. And when I say people like me, when I, when I look at me, I go, least common denominator. When I preach, I try to preach the least common denominator, and that's Eddie and me. So if I go way down here with me and him, then I figure all you intellectual, smart people will be able to pick everything else up. But the practicality of this scripture is so good, and especially in this book of James. And he gives some very practical instructions for Christians when we look at this today. Verse 13 and 14, I, I love this. He says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call to the elders of the church, pray over them, and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. He, he literally asks three questions, then he gives three distinct answers. He says, any one of you in trouble? Hey, any one of you happy? Any one of you among sick? He says, pray, sing songs, pray. He gives us real practical advice. See, life he covers here is all the aspects of life. We can take everything and anything that's going on in life, and we can really package them in these three stances. Trouble. Anybody in trouble right now? Anybody dealing with any trouble at your work? Anybody dealing with any trouble at, uh, at, in your home life? Anybody dealing with any trouble in your marriage, your relationships, your finances, anything like that? Anybody in that place? Happy. Anybody happy right now? Anybody, things going well. I love that. Here's what I say to you that are happy right now. Get ready. Because the Bible very clearly says that, that the storms are coming. And you're either, as I always say, you're either in the middle of a storm, coming out of a storm, or getting ready to get into a storm. If you're not in a storm right now and you're happy, then worship. Storm. <laughs> and then lastly, he says, sick. Anybody sick? Dealing with a lot of sickness. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. Um, I, I don't even know if I should talk about it. Should I talk? Okay, don't talk about it. Okay. No, I'm going to talk about it. Sorry. I love you. Um, <laughs> Shirley, she's a matriarch to this church. She is, she is the one that sucks your kids in by giving them free toys every week. <laughs> you know what I'm talking She sits out there and bri bribes your kids so that you come back to church by giving them free toys. The most, just, it, she's sick. I don't know to what extent, I don't know how bad, but James says this of all these, whether you're troubled in life with something, whether you're happy, or whether you're sick, he says we pray, we worship, and we pray. There, there's, I mean, there's not a lot of leeway, there's no, you know, where else do you go? You go to drugs, you go to alcohol, you go to affairs, you go to all these, more money, work harder, all these things. That's where the world goes, and they're never satisfied. But James very clearly says here, pray, worship, pray. And it covers all aspects of life, no matter where you are today. Whatever you're going through, you're in one of those three areas. And James tells us what to do. You see, because the answer to life when you're in trouble is pray. When I have nothing else I can do, when I, I, I've gotten to a point where, where everything else is, is falling apart and I got nothing, look, get there before that place. Pray. 
in your relationships. Pray. The, the one I love is in the happiness because here's what happens usually when we're really happy and everything is going well. You know, when the job is good, the relationship with the, with the wife or the husband or the girlfriend or the boyfriend is good, when all those things are usually really good, what don't we do? Prayer, praise. Ah, oh, everything's great. And, it's, it's, and then things kind of go in the toilet. Then all of a sudden, oh God, where are you? Can you imagine if your children, natural and the spiritual, run parallel to one another we talk about all the time what you see in the spirit parallels what happens in the natural can you imagine if you have parents if you have children and the only time your your kids came to you were, were they in trouble what would you feel like if the only time my children came to me is when they got in trouble they got they got kicked out of school or they or they they got uh, arrested or they got they got whatever it is that's the only time that they talked to me what would i feel like feel used I feel like that they really don't care I feel like that maybe I'm a piggy bank to get them out of trouble financially I'd feel all these emotions now that's in the natural that's what now let's go over to the spiritual how many of us the only time they engage God is when they're in trouble only time that they ah I'm, I'm drowning here and they go right to the bottom God if you just save me I promise you I'll never do that again you ever prayed that prayer Oh, God, if you just get me out of this, I promise I'll go to church twice a month. I promise you. Thank you. That was one, one laugh. Oh, God, if you'll just rescue me from this, I'll never do that anymore. And then we sit in these good times. There's nothing better as a parent when things are going well and you're around your kids. You, you know what I mean? That just... Like when families, Thanksgiving is coming and families all together and, 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 and you're just feeding off of one another and, and the love and the good stuff is just happening. You're eating and you're joking around and you're playing games and whatever you do during that time. And there's just this joy. That's what he talks about here, James is saying. In the midst of things going well, of praising and saying, oh God, thank you. Worshiping. Because here's what I know. I don't have tomorrow in my hand. And tomorrow many times doesn't look like today. He goes on here. And this is what he says in 14 and 16. He says, anyone among you sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, there, there's, there's two opinions on this verse. When we look at this and, 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 and when you talk to scholars, there's, there's two basic opinions of what's going on here because they're talking about healing. They're talking about praying for one another. And the, the two different translations this. One in here that, that, that most, many of the scholars agree that the word uh, in the Greek here is sick, like literally sick, like, like you're, you're, there's an ailment. But there's another group that believes scholars however, that suggest that James is referring to a spiritual sickness. That, that he's talking about those who, who are, 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 are struggling spiritually in their lives and that that sickness is what we need to anoint and pray with. 
and, and you have these two opinions, and you have some that, that are what called cessationists that don't believe that God will heal today, that he won't, if you pray for someone, that they won't be healed. There are people that believe that. That's fine. And there's people that, that go the other way and, and expect God to heal everybody. And there's these two opinions that we see. And I, I'm going to give you my personal thought and feel, through my theological journey and what I've been through and, and how I've been led to do that. But you need to look, examine Scripture, and you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. So as I speak here, I'm coming from the years that I've read, the, the people that I've been around, the, 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 the things that I've studied. But I want to encourage you, church, don't take what I say as gospel. Take what this word says as gospel. Go and examine the scriptures as Acts says that the Brians did. And they said that they were more wise than others because they took the words of a pastor. They took the words of the scripture. They said, it's mine and I'm going to study and I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit that lives in me to give me revelation. Does that make sense? Then do it. Don't just shake your heads. Do it. Dig in. But I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of my journey because I, I grew up in, in uh, uh, I've had all over the place. We grew up in a Lutheran church, conservative Lutheran church. And then Shirley went charismatic. And we got into San Jose, California, charismatic church, and hands are going, and people are rolling around, and all kinds of crazy cool stuff. And then I got into the ministry later after, after my career and got into a little bit crazy charismatic, a little bit too far on one side charismatic. And then I planted my first church and I got really crazy the other way, went real, you know, uh, uh, seeker focused, just, you know, I don't want to talk about the gifts. And then now I feel like we're, we're coming back this way. So when I read this scripture about James, I have this vast two sides. I've, I've sat in both things. So for me, the answer is yes and 32. Yes and 32. What does that mean? It means this. Option one, that, that literally it means that they would pour oil and, and someone would get healed and they would be completely healed. Yes. And 32. See, the, the, the Greek word sick here, and, and I, I, my personal experience is that I've watched God heal people. I have seen absolute miraculous healing that I cannot deny. No denying it. I'll give you one of them. A good, one of my best buddies that I played hockey with, um, he had asthma. So every time he'd play, and he played in the NHL for 10 years, he had to have his inhaler with him. And uh, one summer, we, we were at a church service, and there's a man who wanted to pray for the sick. And uh, he, he fasted all day and said, I'm believing God that I would get healed. Because he's had some episodes while he was playing. You can imagine being a professional athlete and having to do the inhaler and how scary and some things that, that happen. He, he believes God. He goes down, and uh, the man prays for him, and then he gets completely healed. So much so, he goes to camp the next year. And uh, when you go into camp, you do all these physical tests. Well, the, 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 the doctors and, and everybody knows that he has to have an inhaler because he's an asthmatic. So he's getting ready to get on and do his, his test on the uh, a, a VO2 test. And the, the trainer's like, where's your, where's your uh, inhaler? He's like, I don't need it. 
He's like, whoa, 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 no, what do you mean you don't need it? He's like, God healed me. He's like, yeah, 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 whatever, okay, sure. Get your inhaler. He's like, no, you don't understand. God touched me. I don't need my inhaler anymore. And the, 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 the trainer would not allow him to take the test. So he went and got, got him an inhaler, sat it down next to him, did his test, didn't need it at all. Um, so much so that, that when, uh, everybody's alarm going off today. <laughs> so much so that, that in games, they always had an inhaler, he would bring healed, completely healed, never used it again and played four or five more years in the NHL. I've seen God heal. So yes, option one, that, that he's talking about sickness here, here's where I'm leaning. Jesus rebuked the disciples and others for not having enough faith. Never once, you don't see, I looked throughout the scriptures, not a single verse in this, in this Bible does Jesus uh, uh, hammer on or rebuke someone for not having, for having too much faith. It's always about not having enough. So w- when I look at this scripture, I believe God heals today. And I'm going to keep praying for the sick. I'm going to, you know why? Because Jesus never rebukes anybody for having too much faith. It's always for not having enough. And, and I'd rather pray for a thousand people, not one of them get healed, and, 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 and step in faith and, and finally see someone healed than not pray for anybody because I'm worried about you know, what people will think or if they'll get healed or not. Whether they get healed or not is not in my hands. It's in the Holy Spirit's hands. But I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep laying hands on people. And some people may call me an idiot and a fool. I don't care. I'd rather go down in faith than not have faith at all. So yes and yes, we're going to pray for the sick. The yes and the option two is this. James referring to the spiritual weakness, referring to those who are struggling at the lack of faith. Absolutely, we're going to pray for them. Absolutely. See, option number two, 31 times we see in Scripture where Jesus or others prayed for the spiritually weak. 31 times. 32, he prayed for those who didn't have any faith. 31, for those who are spiritually weak. It's our job, Christians, to step up and lay hands on those who are struggling spiritually. It's our job to anoint them with oil and pray over that the Holy Spirit might grab a hold of them. It's our job to lead them to a place of repentance that the Holy Spirit might do the work that he wants to do in them. But we're so caught up in, oh, what are they going to say? What are they going to feel? We don't tell people to repent. When's the last time you looked at someone, you just need to repent? When's the last time you looked in the mirror and just said, dear God, I need to repent? See, it's the act of humility that ushers in the Holy Spirit to move in your life. When you, when you go, look, I'm struggling spiritually. I was talking to a, a, one of my best friends. He's a, he's a PhD in analytics like one of the smartest guys I know, brilliant, loves the Lord. He oversees one of the largest surveys of evangelical Christians in America today and their spiritual behaviors. And his dad is, is dying. And uh, uh, we're talking, and, and we're talking about faith. And, and I love this, this guy. And, uh, you know, we, did, we started talking, and it's like, I don't know how the conversation got here, and we just said, look, do you ever struggle and wonder if God is real? Whoa, people. Your pastor, if you consider this your church, just ask the question. Have you ever wrestled if God is real? 
If you're, if you're going to sit there self-righteously and say, no, you're a liar. It's not a crisis of my faith when I think this way. It's a wrestling with this, this word and, and going, okay, God, I, 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 reveal yourself to me. And, and what we've come to, and we're talking and we're, laughing, and we're laughing because all the friends and the people we run with, if we said that around them, they'd be like, oh, you're so, we need to anoint you with oil and pray for you because uh, James says you're spiritually a mess. And, and we started talking, and, and, and this is what we came to, is, is this, yeah, Cozy is his name. Cozy. I said, Cozy, you know what? If, if I believe in this Jesus and what he's did, and I've seen him do miracles in my life and other people's life, but here's the deal. If we're wrong, you'll never know. And I'm going to go down swinging. You'll never know. If, if the atheist is right, the moment you die, it's over, people. No hope, no nothing. You won't know. See, the beauty of the scriptures, I have hope. The beauty of this scripture is this, that as we're talking and, and Ryan and I are, are wrestling through these things and, and, uh, it, it, and, and, and encouraging one another and talking about the hope of Christ Jesus that comes out of the scripture, that, that I'm not going to sit here and deny that, that I'm human and that there hasn't been thoughts in my head about these things. Now, what I am going to do is renew my mind through this word. What I am going to do is surround myself with people that, that believe what I believe to encourage me, to lift me up. I'm not going to go from, is there a God, to go hang out in the atheist club. I'll tell you that right now. I'm going to allow God's scripture and the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in me, the same one that raised Christ from the dead. I'm going to allow him to move me as he's done for the last 40 years. 50 years we have two options and theologically there are two options here one is he's saying pray for those who are sick who are dying and two he's saying well that maybe they're saying he pray for those who are spiritually dying and and my answer is yes it's both and I'm going to go down swinging. I personally prayed for healing for years. When I retired, I could barely tie my shoes, and I was taking way more drugs than a pastor should. Confession. And, and, and I'm like, God, why don't, you know, heal me, God. Why don't you heal me? And, and I found a doctor, and I got my hips done, and completely, the pain gone, everything. And I remember one day in praying and going, God, why didn't you heal me? Why did I, why did I, what, I went through all this with doctors and stuff. And as clear as could be, the Holy Spirit said, I did. Who do you think gave that man the brilliant mind to cut you open, cut your hip off, and put a new one in there? Oh. See, see, we get stuck in this and we go, this is what healing looks like. Are you kidding me? Healing looks a lot broader than just get out of the grave. People get healed every day because God created men and women with brilliant minds that can, can solve the problems of the body. That's healing. One aspect of it. Don't get caught up in it. And my answer is yes. I want to pray for those who are sick, and I want to pray for those who are, are spiritually sick, and that's what we'll do here. See, option two, we are going to pray for those who are spiritually sick. This is where the most of our prayers will be focused, okay? But we're going to pray for those who are physically sick. And it's interesting because here in, in 15, James seems to be saying the same thing that 
that I'm saying, or I'm saying the same thing that he's saying, because it says, and prayers offered in faith will make sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. And then he goes and he says, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Huh, it's almost like he's talking sick, raise up, sin, raise up. Here's the caution. Here's the caution. Any verse that seems to be offering an unconditional promise of physical healing, even in response to a prayer of faith, will cause people to stumble. Will every person that follows these steps that James talked about be healed? No, because God is not a God of A, B, C, D when it comes to this. God is an absolute God of order, A, B, C, D. But when we're talking about healing and we're talking about gifts, and we're, it's, I can't put them in the box and just say, if I pray this prayer on this date, at this time, God will do this. He's not my genie in the bottle. I don't get to do that. And there's time and time again I've wondered, God, why didn't you heal them? Why didn't you heal them? Why didn't you heal them? And I've always got to go back to the th- this, this one truth. I'm not God. And I'm going to have to trust and believe. I'm going to have to trust and please believe. The promise doesn't seem to suggest when or how God will raise us up. Maybe it'll be immediately. Maybe it will be into eternity. And the latter seems a lot more difficult, less satisfying. But I know that I know that I know. Whatever you're suffering with and you have a relationship with Jesus, you will be healed. For some of us, it's that side of eternity. For some of us, it's this side of eternity. Nonetheless, you're healed. And as we talked about several weeks ago, when we looked at time and we looked at eternity versus the mist that is your life, as James said, the the 30, 40, 80 years that you have, the eternal healing I'll take all day long. See, this is the hope that you and I as believers will be raised eventually and forever. We can be assured of that through this scripture. You can know that you know, First John says, what God has done through his son on the cross, that you and I will have everlasting life. And whatever temporary pain that you are feeling here will be gone, Revelations 21, and he will wipe away every tear. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering. You can know that to be true in this scripture. Regardless of where we land or where you land on this, this is what we know. God doesn't intend for Christians to suffer alone. Nor does he want them to pray for themselves in private without ever revealing their problems. Hear this. You're not called to walk this walk alone. It's not your private little relationship with Jesus, although it is your private relationship with Jesus. Look, there are brothers and sisters that you're called to walk with in a church, in your small group, that you're called to hold up, that you're called to pray for, that you're called to to call on the phone, that you're called to encourage, that you're called to stand with. Don't isolate and not talk and not ask for that prayer. God doesn't intend for Christians to walk this thing alone. He's called you to walk with a body of people. Secondly, 1-1. God does intend for the spiritual leaders of our local church to get ready and willing to pray together 
or struggling people in our congregation. God's intention is that we do that. That is his intention. James's larger point in the, is that Christians should not suffer in private. That we're called to do this together. And, and some of us go, oh, you know, uh, I don't want to be a burden on anybody. I don't want to be... No, 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 no. You don't understand how this thing works called Christianity and, and, and family. You don't, you, you don't understand that we're called to grab a hold of one another and walk this together. That's what family does. In the natural family, I've got my sister, my dad, and my mom. And in the natural right now, as, as Shirley is going through some difficulties physically, my sister, what does she do? Gets on a plane, flies here, and helps take care of my mom. What, in the natural, we do that all day long. We don't ask questions. I didn't go, what the heck are you doing here? This is my job. She didn't go, hey, get out of the way. It's what family does. They come together. They stand with one another. They pray for one another. They walk with one another. They hold one another up. They, they, they do what they need to do. That's in the natural. In the spiritual, it's the exact same thing. You walk with one another. You stand with one another. You, you encourage one another. You pray for one another. You don't do this thing alone. I can't do this thing alone. I can't do it in the natural, and God never intended me to do it in the spiritual. And we should expect God to answer. It may not be the answer that you want. I'm not telling you what the answer is. But I go expecting God to answer. Why? Because James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James says that, 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 that when we come together and when we pray, there's a power. And he didn't say you're going to walk every time. You're going to be physically healed every time. But he did say there's power. Sometimes it's just that to get through the next day. Sometimes that prayer is just about thank you for coming around me so that I can make it through this day. Because the Bible doesn't give us tomorrow and he says one day at a time. It says take this day, each day as it comes. And for some of us we need to get into other Christians' lives and we need to stand with them and encourage them to make it through the day. For some of us in Christian lives that has to do with their marriages. For some of us it has to do with their children. For some of us it has to do with physical ailments. But in every aspect of this church we're called to walk with one another. You know why community groups are so important? Because it builds this community of people that walk together. Tuesday night, we have our group with Jeremiah and, and Luke and, and McKenna and Ryan and, and all these young couples, and it's just, it's powerful. I walk down there, and I'm like the old guy, so I walk back up and go to bed. But it, I can't go to bed because they're loud, and they're, they're slamming doors, and they're having a good time, and it's, there's food, and there's things happening. And the whole intention of that of that is that these men and young men and women would walk together through difficulty and through good times we do our group on thursday night dan and Lori's group on monday night we tell dan and Lori not to stop doing their group because we're taking a break and they won't even stop taking a, and take a break they're like oh no we're gonna keep going because they're real christians over there in that group you know <laughs> i'm like i got a hard stop day to my group you know why? Because there's relationship. Because Dan and Lori love these people and they love them. And, and I know this, when things get a little squirrely, who do they call? People in your group. They're not calling me. 
they do, but they're calling Dan, and they're calling Lori, and they're calling the, the, the men and women that you guys walk with. That's family. That's what church is about. See, and you kind of miss it when you come twice a month. Just saying. You kind of miss it when you don't go to small groups. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I want you to feel the weight. You kind of miss it. There's something about the spiritual family that James is talking about here. Oh, I've gone wide over. Um, stop repenting pray why did i do that because we haven't been good on services on sunday of stopping in our messages or during worship and praying as james asked us to so my stop right here is forgive me i'm sorry that's on me as a leader but i, I want a prayer team and I, you know, I always go to that because I'm full of pride of, well, what if nobody comes up and the prayer team is just standing there? Who gives a rip? What if in, in four weeks one person comes up and God does something spectacular? Is it worth it? It is to that one person. So forgive me for not doing that. And, and I will sit with Melvin and my wife and leaders in here and Eddie and, and, and we'll, we'll set, we'll get a prayer team. I'll make that commitment to you by the first of the year or earlier that we'll have a prayer team that at least during worship you're, you're able to get, get prayer. Because that's what James is talking about. Who knows what God might do? I have so many more slides, but it's, look at all this. Oh, Elijah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Still, still going. Come on up. Come on up. Really? It was really good. Maybe I'll just stretch this a little longer in the next couple of weeks. Um, yes. Um, look, what did we say? What did we say? James said, what other stage of life you're in? whatever stage, this is, this is the answer. God's word. It starts with his word. And then it goes into the conversations that I have with him. But too many times we leave out the worship part. And it's so important. It's so important to turn that music on and just worship. It's so important to, to, to just drop everything that you are and just lift your hands and say thank you it's such an important aspect each and every day my encouragement to us is god's word every day conversations with the king of king and the lord of lords every single day and worship and worship let's pray father i thank you for this time i thank you for your word lord for these men and women this church. God, forgive me for, for not having a team to pray for the sick spiritually and physically. God, I, I, I pray for those who are struggling right now, those who are hurting right now, those who are physically hurting. Oh God, I pray your grace and your mercy over them. God, I pray for healing. I pray for healing. 
thank you that you love us so much. Lord, in this season that we're stepping into, this Thanksgiving and then Christmas, and God, that, that we would stop and, and each day we would grab your word. Each day we would have conversations with you. And God, that we would worship. Oh God, that we would worship. Lord, as we go into Christmas, that we would worship Christ and celebrate his birth. you're so good Lord let us be the church when we leave this place today let us bring hope to the hopeless God I pray that, that if anybody is pulling or tugging on our garment that we would stop and we'd look them in the eyes and we'd bring them hope oh God have mercy on us thank you Jesus thank you for your goodness Thank you for who you are. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we stay in this attitude of worship, this is the time that we receive communion. And it is a holy time. We do it every week, so sometimes it may feel like, ah, oh, here we go. No, it is a holy time. It's a time to take who you are and, and set it at the cross and Align your will with his, not his with yours, your will with his. It's a time of repentance. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of thankfulness. So before you receive this, just take a moment and reflect. And then receive the bread. The Bible says in the night that Jesus betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. So this is my body that's been broken for you. And then he took the wine that represented his blood, the covenant of his blood. He said, this is my blood that was spilled for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Take a moment and receive. creation in Christ and old things have passed away thank you that I don't live in condemnation thank you that I don't live in guilt I thank you for what you did on the cross some 2,000 years ago that I might have everlasting life oh father thank you and we choose to worship you today Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God. In your precious name we 